0: Well, family and church. Church and family. Families have characteristics, don't they? There's families, you know, you look at their mouth and they all have the same shape of mouth, or you look at their nose and they all have the same size nose or shape of nose or or their ears or you know maybe their earlobes are attached or they're detached, but we all have these family characteristics. But it's not only physical characteristics. We have sometimes career character or career tracks right the father and the son they're doing the same kinds of things my great-grandfather was a brewmeister in germany my grandfather was a bootlegger in chicago (laughs) 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 i'm just kidding about that mom if you're watching i'm just telling you so so you know he did i mean during prohibition he had all his crocs and everything in the basement to do that wasn't a bootlegger that I'm aware of, but you know, there's family secrets as we talk about, right? So as we think about this, there's also the same kinds of things in churches. Churches have characteristics. You can walk into a church and you'll find it the friendliest place in the world. Or you'll find it as cold. It's a characteristic. You'll find churches where it's really easy to get plugged in, and then other churches where... There's a little bit of a wall. But these are all different characteristics. And so what I've wanted to do was take the series and weave together the importance of church and family together. Church and family together. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this. It's like a rope. And the rope is a picture, right? And it says in Ecclesiastes 4.12, uh, a, a rope of three strands is not easily broken. And what I think we need to realize in the world that we live in today is that a church and a family have to be woven together. But of course, God has to be present, right? But what I'm seeing more and more is there, there's a separation of church and family. Even the secular world, doing their surveys and watching correlations, can see that families that attend church frequently, regularly, hold together differently than churches or families that do not attend church. And the church, then, that cares about family makes a difference in these important places of marriage and raising children and all these kinds of things. And that's why it's so important. And so I think it's a great picture. What I wanted also to do was remind us is that these are two institutions that God created, the family and the church. It's God's invasion into the world, right? It's Not us that gets to decide what family is going to be all about and what it's going to look like, nor do we get to do that with church. Now, there's a lot of freedom. I'm not denying that, and there can be a lot of different ways to do things, but the foundation of a family is in the marriage. We don't get to make that up. The foundations of a church has got to be built on the person of Jesus Christ and and His mission in the world. These are important elements of God's invasion and and we wanted to bring this series and bring these things together. But we know, all of us know this, as we talked about family last week and we talk about church this week, there's a lot of distrust, a lot of distrust towards leaders, a lot of loss of confidence in institutions like churches. And then there's a struggle to even believe, right? This this trusting of, of God, this this sense that God has spoken. And these three things are conspiring against people in our culture. And and people are walking away from the church. No surprise there, right? The young generation is struggling to stay involved. But even the older generations are breaking away from the institutions that God created for our benefit and our welfare. So what I want to do is, in this series is answer the question, what is God's plan? What is He saying to you and to me to do today about these things? If you have your Bible, would you open with me to Galatians? Galatians chapter 6, I want to look. Paul wrote these letters to uh, the, the church in Galatia, actually a group of churches. and uh, he wanted to remind us of some important things as a church. If you're able to stand, could I invite you to stand as I read God's Word? says in Galatians chapter 6, I'm going to pick up in verse 7 and read to verse 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Father, you invaded this world in a lot of ways. But one of the ways you invaded was you spoke. You spoke a word That we need to pay attention to today help us to have ears to hear and we just pray that simple prayer in jesus name amen amen you may grab a seat as we look at this this morning Uh, i want to bring us back remember last week i talked about the family the family is a place that should have grace in it it should demonstrate the grace of god but the same thing is in the church so let me say it this way the church or fox valley church demonstrates the grace of God to reveal God so that people will stand in awe of God. In other words, a church needs to be characterized. Remember I said it's got to focus on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and offered a gift of grace. It's not a gift you can earn. We don't deserve it. The cross is freely extended to everybody. Everyone in the world can find forgiveness through Jesus Christ if they turn to him. Well, that's grace, right? It's this gift. God demonstrates his gift. Hopefully, Fox Valley Church is doing this. This is what we aspire to because it's the purpose of the church. Why? to reveal god so that people would see god that's what it says in first corinthians non-believer walks into the church and he says wow god is surely among this people to demonstrate god so that people will stand in awe of god well let me tell you there's not a lot of people anymore standing in awe of the church They're kind of shaking their heads and they're kind of wondering. And what God wants to do is give you and me direction regardless of what's happening in the world, regardless of what people are saying. God is speaking today to give us direction. And it's very, very simple. It comes out of verse 7. But let me tell you my first point is we've got to sow to the Spirit so to the Spirit. Now as we look at that, let's go into the Scripture itself to make sure nobody is lost at what Paul is saying here. He says, right at the beginning, he says, do not be deceived. Regardless of how people are living, regardless of what's going on, do not be deceived. Don't be pulled away by people walking away. Don't be pulled away because people aren't living the way God calls us to live. He says, don't be deceived. And then he comes back and he says, God is not mocked. This is not a blemish on God's name. It's not a blemish on God's character. It comes right back at us. Because God has given us all that we need to live the life he's called us to live. So, Paul lays out a very simple principle. He says, whatever one sows, that is what gets reaped. Now, this is a very simple uh, agrarian uh, metaphor, picture, right? If you plant an apple seed, what do you get? An orange tree. No, you get an apple tree, right? There's no confusion here. If you plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree because there's this effect. And so what he's saying, very simply, by the word so, is he's talking about our actions. He's talking about our attitudes. He's talking about our thoughts. If you have certain actions or certain attitudes or certain thoughts, you will reap the things from those actions, from those attitudes, and those thoughts. And then he's going to tell us very clearly where we should be setting our actions, where we should be setting our attitudes, and where we should be setting our our thoughts, attitudes, and actions, right? All of it. But you need to see what he's saying here, is that whatever we sow, that's what we're going to reap Jesus taught the same thing right in in the Sermon on the Mount he says you you don't go to a grape bush and find thistles or a grape vine when you go to a grapevine, vine you find grapes see this concept was very simple there Jesus was talking about false prophets in matthew chapter 7 verse 15 he's trying to lay out to the people that he was teaching that day is that there is this sowing reaping principle and so you don't go to a grapevine to find thistles you find grapes but look what he says in this next phrase he says if you sow to the flesh then you're going to reap the corruption that is in the flesh. Now, when he uses the word flesh, he's just simply trying to say about the way we live apart from Christ. He's talking about these women. He's talking about these men that are trying to navigate life by the ways of the world and pushing God out. He's talking about these people that may say, hey, I prayed a prayer when I was eight years old, but they're really aligned with the world and the ways of the world. They're living according to natural impulses and desires and resisting the very things of God because that's where he goes next. But the one who sows to the Spirit is the one who will reap from the Spirit eternal life. Now, when he says eternal life, it's not just waiting till you get to heaven. He's talking about a real change in our hearts today so eternal life begins the moment you fully trust in jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins at that moment the spirit comes in the spirit begins to change you and transform you from the inside out that transformation will not be complete until jesus returns consequently we'll all continue to sin we'll constantly be struggling against the flesh but we should be seeing a growing work of god So it's a simple, simple concept of the spirit and the flesh. Now Paul got into this in chapter 5. And I I just want to bring this to your attention. Just so that we're we're not confused at what we talk about when we say attitudes or actions or thoughts. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, he says, The works of the flesh are evident if someone is paying more attention to the world paying more attention to natural inclinations paying more attention to what they want apart from god look what happens right there's consequences you're going to get sexual immorality you're going to get impurity you're going to get sensuality if you take these first several you could draw a line right there and you begin to see that parts of the consequence or the fruit that comes from people Paying attention and playing with the flesh is that there will be a sensuality about them. And of course, we see this in the world. When Paul wrote and Peter wrote about what it's going to look like at the end of the age, when we look at the last days, we begin to see these very things, a sensuality, a focus on sexuality that perverts God's good plan, a focus on impurity. All of these things are pressing in the same direction. He then talks a couple things about some religious areas, idolatry or sorcery, right? These these places where we now start tampering with the spiritual world and the spiritual life contrasted to what God really wants, where he wants us focused on his work and the work of the Spirit. Then he gets into a number of relational things, and this is happening all over the place in our families, in our homes, in our extended families, as the world begins to navigate all the complexities of the political cycle last year and all the things with COVID and medical and science, right? There's enmity, there's strife, there's jealousy, there's anger, and how are people trying to deal with it? Well, it goes into these things, talk about the dissensions, they get into more divisions, but they get into drunkenness and, and orgies, and they start playing with things of sex and drinking and alcohol of all sorts, drugs, all these things that start playing into those ways of the flesh to satisfy what's going on in our heart. And that's what the world has done, and a lot of Christians, unfortunately, have walked that same path. There's more addictions that we have to deal with. There's more brokenness in families that are going on. And, and it's what Paul then writes in chapter 6, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. If you're going to sow to the flesh, these are the very things that you're going to reap. And so the list is right there for all of us. But then he goes on in the next couple of verses and he starts talking about the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit... This is if you sow to the Spirit, look what the Spirit reaps love, joy, peace. Notice these different things that come as a result of the Spirit working in us. And this becomes really, really significant for the church. Because if the church does not walk by the power of the Spirit, we're going to end up like the world. There's only two choices. I didn't lose anybody, right? Two choices. You're either going to walk by the Spirit or you're going to walk by the flesh. And we make that choice every day. And then we see these nine different fruits of the Spirit that Paul is talking about. And what we need to see is a church generally, but Fox Valley Church in particular, be a church that is focused on these kinds of things but it is not something we do it's a result of yielding to the spirit and that is that there is these things of love and joy and peace and patience right now let's get out of the agrarian cult, uh, culture or picture for a moment and I want, I want to press us into a new direction just for a moment because i think this will make sense to you i don't know uh, when you grew up but uh, when I grew up, uh, there was a candy jar. My grandparents actually had this candy jar, right? But my, my grandparents and my mom and dad, you know, they didn't want us to dive into the candy jar. Why? Because it wrecks your meals, right? You need good, balanced meals. Now, to be fair, my grandparents didn't really have a candy jar, they had a candy drawer, and it was full. Of these kind of things but I just thought a picture of a drawer with a bunch of things in it wasn't as good as this jar right now in that jar you can see all different kinds of candies and and you know the principle here mom and dad say don't eat all the candy because what happens is it ruins your appetite for good things. You don't feel like eating. You get a sugar high. But mom and dad know something kids don't often know, and that is that you need good nutrients, you need good vitamins, you need to eat a healthy, well-balanced meal several times a day. And the candy jar is what wrecks that. Now, here's the problem. These candies in the jar represent all kinds of things. Some of us love certain kind of candies. Some of us love chocolate. And so we're always looking for the chocolate there, right? And we get our sugar buzz from the candies that we eat. And then it kills our appetite. Now, sugar comes in a lot of forms today, doesn't it? When you dig into the candy jar, it's just like going after the flesh and the things of the flesh. Because what we're really doing is we're trying to satisfy meat or do something to bring us to what will make us feel good in the moment. And some of us don't have the self-control, so we start eating more and more candy. So let's talk about what this candy is today, right? So we, we, we go into this, and some of us start watching movies. We binge on Netflix. And we're not really that discriminating over what we're watching. And we just fill our hearts and our minds and our souls with stuff in these movies that are no good for us. Some of us start watching TikTok. Right? We just keep going. And all of a sudden, a whole hour passes by. I was amazed. I did an experiment just for myself. I started looking at TikTok, and I just started watching how long I could just go. And it's just like one after another, one after another, right? And I'm not even discriminating. All of a sudden, I'm watching TikTok, right? I'm just digging into the candy jar. That's all I'm doing. Or I start listening to podcasts about stuff that really isn't the best stuff for my soul. It's very, very confusing kind of stuff, right? Or it's not necessarily the social media, and we can rip on that and attack that, but it can be stuff on our phones. But it can also go in other directions too. We, we can go after things with work, right? How many workaholics, don't raise your hand, but how many of us are going after work over and over again? And, and that's where we get our satisfaction. That's where we get our joy. And all of a sudden, that's no different than going to the candy jar. You're just trying to fill up your life with being busy. Or some of us, it's porn, or some of us, it's it's alcohol. Some of it can be all kinds of stuff, shopping. I mean, there's just a list that would never end. And that's what the candy jar is. And what I want you to know is that every time we go to that candy jar, we're deadening our appetite for the spirit and that's what paul is talking about when you sow to the flesh there's going to be consequences and one of the most serious consequences is it deadens your appetite for god and the things of god that are so significant so before i move on what do we do with this There's only one thing that God tells us over and over to do, and let me be very, very clear and very helpful here, is it comes to a posture of repentance. If you're digging into the candy jar, and can I just say way too much, there's nothing wrong with watching a movie. There's nothing wrong with watching a podcast. I'm not sure about TikTok yet, but hey. But you know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with work. It's when we cross these lines and the spirit of god is going to tell you hey you've crossed a line you've crossed a line you're in the candy jar too much there's only one thing any of us can do and that is repent we've got to go to the cross at box alley church we call it surrender we like to talk about being fully surrendered where we talk about surrendering all your time treasures and talents hopes, and dreams to the plans and purposes of Jesus Christ. There is no better life on this side of glory. And the problem that the world has with the church is that we're not very repentant. We don't want to look at the stuff in our own heart, how often we go to the candy jar. What we want to do is point our fingers at other people and other groups that we don't like or that we don't agree with. And that's not God's plan. It's in repentance that we find forgiveness. It's in forgiveness that we can move into reconciliation with our friends and our neighbors that we sin against. It's in the reconciliation that we'll want to restore people to their rightful place, right? All of this, though, begins with repentance. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Sowing to the Spirit the things of God is recognizing we are sinners in need of of a savior but let me move on very simply to my second point because that's where the apostle paul goes next let me just dive in real quickly here is what paul does is he then talks about let us not grow weary in doing good right so he says serve one another by the spirit right we do not give up so we have opportunity let us do good to everyone this is so important, this is so important. Let me just show you two things and then I wanna make a couple comments and wrap up. First is we gotta show good or serve everyone, do good. That's what we're talking about, serving. And then look what he says, especially to those of the household of faith. Notice the metaphor he uses. He uses a family metaphor. In fact, some of you have translations that actually say the family of God or the family of faith, right? So he's saying serve everyone and serve especially the family of God, the household of God. Notice in the Scriptures how often we're called brothers and sisters. These are all pictures of the family, and this becomes very, very significant. And so as we look at this this morning, let me just say the first one, when it says serve everyone, there's a direction, a posture towards the world that we have to have. I don't need to go into a lot of details about what's going on in the world. There's a lot of anger of Christians towards what's happening in the world. That is not of God and that's not of the Spirit. Jesus himself said, love those, love those with whom you disagree. Love those, he actually says love your enemies, right? But that's what we mean by that. Love those with whom you disagree. We can look at all the gender issues. We can look at all the marital issues. We can look at the breakdown of the family. We can look at racism. You can look at any area. And what God, Jesus Christ is telling us to do is we need to love them. We need to serve them. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Set Christ apart in your heart. Make Him Lord. It's the same thing. It's a posture of surrender, and that's what God is telling us to do, surrender to the person of Jesus Christ. And then he says, be ready at any time to give a hope, a defense for the hope that is in you, to be able to talk about Jesus. Yet, he says, with gentleness and reverence, and that's where the church is slipping. This is where we have to engage people with whom we disagree, people that are struggling to make sense of all this, and we've got to do it with reverence. They are made in the image of God. God doesn't say you have to agree with all of them. All he's saying is, you just focus on me, I'll take care of the rest. Do it with reverence, right? Well, Fox Valley Church When we talk about our mission, it's all about Jesus. And our mission statement is very clearly, I like to say it this way, we are at our best when we're telling and showing the story of Jesus. That's when we're at our best. Showing the story of Jesus is simply what we're talking about serving, loving people, caring for people. Telling the story of Jesus is clearly helping people to understand how they can receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Our statement becomes so, so significant. But that's all towards the world. I want to turn it a little bit towards the church now, because he said especially the family of God or the household of faith, right? Now, certainly we got to show the story of Jesus in the church, and we got to keep telling the story. There's lots of people that come to Fox Valley that really don't have a relationship with God. So we got to do it there, but I want to turn now towards the church itself and one of our values is meaningful relationships right we value this meaningful means meaningful we want to get off of the surface conversations we want to get into talking about what God's doing in our hearts how he's changing us or what we're struggling with we sometimes in our small groups call them transformation questions can you imagine just sharing with a couple people that you trust You know what? This is really kicking the life out of me. Can you pray for this? Here's something that I just can't seem to kick. Would you help me with this? Right? This is where we get transformed. It's where things begin to happen. Those are meaningful relationships. And this is a core value. Out of the four values of Fox Valley Church, I want to just mention this one because it ties to Galatians chapter 6. Is that we need to have these relationships it's in relationships that we can help each other pastor brad mentioned a little bit ago there's a serving wall i praise god can i tell you I am so encouraged as a pastor, you hear me say this, I'm so bullish, I'm Fox Valley Church. You know why? Because people are awesome here. I just see people trying to walk in this posture of surrender and serving. we have awesome elders in Fox Valley Church. They love this body. they pray for this body. They serve this body and they're available to this body. So often they're in the foyer in the cafe, we've set up times where you can just drop by so you can visit with me or one of the elders and, and they're available. Just awesome. The staff, I've been so encouraged by our staff over the years. Men and women that are trying to walk in this posture of surrender. And then if I go on with the host of people serving in so many ministries in Fox Valley and some of our satellite ministries that we're part of, God is doing, or our partner ministries, God is doing so much. And I'm just so bullish on that. But just like we heard from Jennifer a few moments ago, if you have not found a place to serve, the serving wall is a place to go. We're going to keep that up so that we can keep talking about how we can serve one another and serve our community. There will be lots of opportunities for us to serve in our community. Well, this morning, before I pray, if you're a regular attender of Fox Valley Church, or a member, you received an email from me this past week uh, concerning Marshall who passed away. Mary uh, has been on our staff. And Marshall uh, got COVID and he passed away on Tuesday. So I bring this out, one, so we can continue to pray. One way we can serve Mary on our staff. She's been our staff for over 15 years. She has served us so faithfully. But one way you could serve her is just write her a note, send her a card. She's left with three boys and uh, just a tough spot where she is. And the second way that you can help is... We set up a fund to serve the family and if God leads you to help out, you can give on the app or you can write a check and uh, just designate it so we make sure we get it to the right right place. But I want to continue to pray for Mary in this transition of loss. I praise God though for Fox Valley because already since that email went out, I can't even tell you how much has come in to support, it's just been beautiful all the care and love of this body well let me go ahead and uh, pray for us god you are amazing and you call us to believe you to believe you that you sent your son that you left when your son moved from this earth and returned to heaven you then left the spirit and god these are the things that we believe these are the things that change us and i pray god that we would be characterized by the things of your spirit love and joy and peace and patience and god we also want to pray for mary we just pray for her in this transition we ask for your grace your power your love that she would keenly feel your presence in all these things we pray in jesus name amen